Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's football and random things. On another Monday here in Central Iowa, no stream on the Facebook Live. We gave one of the interns the camera to go to Iowa, Iowa State Wrestling. That did not pan out well. Did not pan out well. And then we also didn't get the camera back in time to do our stream. Well, I mean, I brought shoes. Jeff has the shoes, the shoes. It's the sound of them rustling together to prove. That's them. That's them. I brought them. The shoes are here today following Iowa State's 41-31 win over the Kansas Jayhawks. That, um, I would, I don't, that felt like Drake, that game. That felt like the Drake game. Yeah, but without the field, the, level, the, the playing field leveling snow. Right, the nastiness. sleet and drizzle. It was just as far as a, an apathy standpoint, felt like that yeah. from both the players and the fans. Like that wasn't unique to just the the players. I think the fans also like with as, as locked in as the Texas game was. Yeah. Uh, the fans, I mean, we're kind of like, all right, well, let, can we just get this done, please? Like I'm here. I want to be here because it's the last one. But can we just win already? If if we really wanted to truly explain how apathetic people were, all we have to say is that for the majority of the first half of the game, we were, we were watching the game, but we were also sitting there planning our summer book club, that, fo- football and reading things. That's a legitimate thing that we're trying. And Chris gave the tentative okay yeah, on Yeah, Chris this. told us that we could do that. Uh, so that will be coming next spring. Football and reading things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. It's... Uh, it's going to be a kind of a, a follow along week by week uh, book club where we're going to take books, some of which are football related, some of which aren't. Uh, so there's going to be some surprises and twists and turns. And then because the content, there's a dearth of content after football's done, like recruiting will have like certain swells in the summer anyway. But, you know, in the month of June, there's really not a ton you can talk about. And the Olympics are this summer, which yeah. is cool. But those don't even start until like the middle to end of July. Yeah, June is the is the dog days of recording a football podcast. So we don't really have much content to talk about, for at least me specifically. Uh, so in an effort to make things actually interesting, uh, we want to do football and reading things. Yeah. Which is, again, going to be a week-by-week breakdown of books that Jared and I are going to read that we will encourage you all to read along with us. Yeah, and if you even if you don't want to read them, or maybe you've read them previously. We feel like we will be able to give you a good enough idea. It'll basically be like if, uh, like we're doing the reading for you, and then we will be your cliff notes. You know, just with a little more sass, with a little bit more sass, and probably considerably more making fun of the books. Depends again. Depends on the book. De- yeah, depends on the book. We also have looked into some potential books that would be very depressing. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> we we like casually were tossing around like the grapes of wrath. <laughs> Jared's like. That's like 3,000 pages of sadness. Yeah. We're not going to do The Grapes of Wrath because I can't do that again. I read that in like 11th grade English and I, I legitimately read about eight chapters of the 600 in that one and Spark noted the rest. I also, I, I unfortunately don't really have the attention span to read an American classic novel <laughs> that I know is going to be like hundreds of thousands or like thousands of pages long or something like that. Like I could read Animal Farm or 1984 because it's like 200 pages, but you know, 
You hear me, Wuthering Heights or Jane Eyre? No? That's, uh, that's uh, probably not going to happen. No. Sorry, Jane Austen. That's where I'm probably going to show up with my for the podcast with the book in my hand and say, Jeff, I did not read this book and I'm not going to read this book, but I'm here with it. You can tell me about what I should think. Anyway, football and reading things will be coming to uh, a podcast stream near you at the end of basketball season yeah. uh, into, you know, around, around slash after spring football. Maybe we'll do like a, do a trailer where we announce the books or we'll announce them over like a period of time. And we have to have it just real hype. Like the yeah. production quality of that has to be in a world. <laughs> well, like we'll read excerpts from each book very dramatically. <laughs> just the most ridiculous excerpts of each book. So more details coming. More details coming. But yes, the, to, the, the reason this anecdote got intro- introduced is that idea was birthed in the middle of the first quarter of the Kansas game because we were just watching it being like, this is happening. What else is happening in my brain? Not this. Football and reading things. How did we even find... You sarcastically... You had a book. Um, it was Original Gangsters, which oh, is yeah. like the story of NWA. Yeah, it was um, the NWA book. Yeah, And so like the story of NWA, you pulled it out and like sarcastically like, do you want to join my book club? And then I think like I just like looked at you and I was like, I actually legitimately would. And then you kind of jokingly were like, we should do that on a podcast. And then just, I don't know, it took maybe five seconds and I was like football and reading things. And just because there is a title that could be associated with it, the idea sounds so much more concrete. And then it just like iterated over the course of the, the half. Yeah. Uh, then we got on Amazon finding books that we could potentially read. It was, let's just say it escalated quickly. And although it seems kind of ludicrous, the volume uh, or the... the I, th- I think people would just like, even if it's not, it's not the full audience. Like this is definitely going to miss at least 30% of our, our usual listeners yeah. at least. But those that would have, they would have fun with it because I feel like between you and I, again, going through whatever thing we're going to go through, it's going to be some interesting spin on it. It was really funny because all of a sudden people started giving me suggestions for books and they're giving me some really hot and heavy football stuff. And I'm like, oof, uh, uh, you know, we maybe will do a little bit of that, but I feel like we're going to try and have fun more than we're going to be like, yeah, let's read uh, Urban Meyer's book on leadership. Yeah, which we're, they're, they're, we don't have anything nailed down as far as like what specific books we're going to read. But if they are like specifically like super football intensive ones, you know, like the, the leadership ones or like Urban Meyer's book about coaching and stuff, it doesn't really leave a ton of room for like analysis in our vein. Like <laughs> I could sit and make fun of Urban Meyer for a long time, but I just I feel like I'll read his book and I'll be like, Damn, this guy's a good leader of young men. We could, and this is how I could apply this. But the, the better use of that time would be you just reading the book. And then we don't have anything to do with it. It would be like, yeah, go read the book. Yeah. So you can read this book. We can't, we can't give We're you We're not going to add anything to it. We're not going to make this any better. I'm not as smart as Urban Meyer. Right. I, I'm fully willing to admit that. Or, or as experienced or as, you know, as many tie-ins or nice fun little anecdotes. I can't. Just there, this. But yeah. something... Uh, we have, again, another couple that we have ideas for that definitely would be more fun to read slash talk about. Yes, exactly. Probably more fun to talk about than Iowa State's win over Kansas. A win, but a dud. But we will do our best when we come back on Football and Random Things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, you called it a win, but a dud. Should we start with the Iowa State offense or the Iowa State defense? I don't know. I'm going to go offense first because that was the better of the two units for the like the first time all season. Yeah. It, I mean, they both have been good, but the defense has always been stellar. Yeah. The defense was not stellar. Yeah. This week. It was a, it, it just felt like we're here. We're going to win this game. We don't really have to try that hard until the fourth quarter. Yeah. And then we'll probably win anyway. Well, and the thing is, is so like, even though it was, again, a dud of a win, Iowa State played about as bad as they've played all year. Um, for three quarters. For three quarters. And then the fourth quarter was good, but there were still some slips. Like there were yeah. still some huge misses that they had in the fourth quarter. Um, but I think that, you know, that, that um, you shouldn't ever have this happen. Like you should not get to a point where you're like, all right, you know, we rolled our helmets out and, and won because you never want to get to the roll your helmets out game. You don't want to do that ever. It's human nature to do that, uh, especially coming off of, I mean, it really, if you retrospectively, I didn't expect them to be this bad uh, on Saturday. And again, it's funny because they still won. So like you can talk about it being bad and, and, and still not have that many negative emotions tied to it. Um, but this is a quintessential letdown, letdown game. Even if you just like retrospectively look at it, it's uh, there's still a lot to a lot left to play on the table um, and Texas, it, but Texas and Kansas state were the games that were much more in question. Yeah. It's sandwiched right between those two. The Texas game was an absolute thriller that won, you know, that you wanted a, a last second field goal. And then right before you go down to play Kansas state in Manhattan, which is another really important game, the Kansas game is just there. Uh-huh. And so everybody was naturally going to be like, okay, well we beat Texas. All we got to do is beat Kansas state. And you forget that there's actually a game there. Now, Kansas isn't good. Let's, let's not. They are three and seven. They're three and seven. And they've, they've had a couple close losses now three and eight, but they, yeah, they have one game left. Everybody yeah. has one game left. So three and eight. Uh, well, unless you're playing in a bowl game or a big 12 championship. Right. But I mean, 12 regular season games. Just saying. But they they they're not good. They're just not as totally awful as they have been. And I think that kind of left the door open if you if you leave yourself executional lapses as Iowa State did. So really, again, retrospectively, it was the it was the recipe for a trap game between two b- games that are emotionally important to you. There's still plenty left on the table, and there's one you just assume that's going to be you know a win to get you to that last game that it, that matters. Yeah. So um, it was it was a trap game. Um, and they didn't respond exceptionally well, but, but it, they still won. So it was still a trap game, but they still came back to win. And I think cre- all credit to, of all people, Brock Purdy. Yeah. Um, because it, again, correlating it to the Drake game, the studs of the team were the ones that were locked in and came out and played absolute, almost flawless football. To, in order for their, their team to win. Like, again, last year, I think Montgomery... So I wrote this in my register piece. Uh, last year, Montgomery had 33 carries for, like, 147 yards and two touchdowns. 
this year, uh, Purdy was like 29 of 42 for 375 or something like that with four touchdowns and then one rushing and did have an interception. Uh, but that interception was a tip ball, um, which I, I don't really, anytime the ball goes straight up in the air, it wasn't a bad decision. You kind of just wave that one off and probably five or six more passes plus another 60, 70 yards would have been there if there weren't drops. Yeah. Um, especially like the one to Tariq Milton where he was wide open yeah. at about 18 yards down the field. So all the, he played fantastic, but he would have been probably 425 with five touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. Like it would have been that style game. So he played out of his mind. And that was really the only thing that kept the Iowa State team from being like, okay, we're going to be fine. Let's just pick it up. Where if Brock had a terrible game and threw, had thrown two or three interceptions, that would have, Iowa State probably would have lost that game. Yeah, after he threw the interception, he went 18 for 19 and completed his last 12 passes of the game. Plus rushed a rush, ran a touchdown in. Yeah, plus ran for a touchdown, threw, I think, for two more touchdowns. Brock was not the problem. No. And by, by no means. And honestly, even the offense, the offense really, because Breeze got to do pretty much what he wanted to do yeah. throughout the game. I was surprised by, the, by how well Kansas was able to stop the run. Well, they wholesale committed to it. Yeah. Wholesale. Like, they were stop 28 and make 15 beat us. Well, that didn't work totally. Especially because, again, if those drops didn't happen, which that's one thing that's been really consistent throughout the season is that they have not mm -hmm. dropped passes. But they that, do continue to drop interceptions. They do continue. Good Lord. Um, but we'll get, we'll get to the defense here in a bit. But on the offensive side, that is one thing that's been really good is that they have been focused all the time and they have dropped very few passes, especially those that are so wide open like they did on Saturday. And that comes from just being 98% out of instead of 100% focused. It's the same thing. Those drop passes are the same thing that caused uh, Iowa State's defense to be as kind of bad as it was on Saturday was that it was like 98% of the way there. But then that last 2%, because the margins when you're playing division one, especially big 12, you know, especially power five football, the margins are so thin, even against a team like Kansas, who's not that good. Uh, there, you can't have that lack of 2% of focus. Otherwise right. what happens is what happens on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, just looking at the statistics, you know, and they had a, they did have some points in the first half too, where they had opportunities. You know, you went for it on a fourth down, like at the Kansas forty, and didn't get it. Which that spot was really bad. Yeah, it was the really third down spot. Yeah, really poor officiating. Um, again, they were. It seemed like they got penalized a lot more than they usually do. Especially that there was there one, was one drive where I think they had four penalties. It was the turn of the first and second quarter. Uh, they had a first and ten. First and nine, because there's a penalty on Iowa State with Sean Shaw holding down the field. So it's first and 10, first and nine, second 18, or excuse me, second and 28, second and 18, third and nine on the same set of downs because of the, the absurd penalties. Yeah. And, and I mean, I'm sure there were some of them that were legitimate. It was so ridiculous that you said to me, uh, you were like, is this a three and out, even though they ran seven plays? <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know if it technically counts. I mean, because only a few of them actually count as snaps. But Well, and they actually did get first downs on yeah, several on, of those plays, uh, but they were all brought back. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, it's it, officials, you got to talk. I mean, throw your hands up in the air and just be like, all right, well, it's human error. Like, yeah. it, it, <laughs> I also thought, so again, I, I kind of bounced back and forth between the box and sitting in the stands. And there was one, <laughs> one time... When some when a fan was like, 
who's paying you refs? And if you take like one microsecond to think about that, what advantage does anyone have for bribing the officials in the favor of the Kansas Jayhawks for anyone? Like Kansas winning does nothing good for the entire conference. Well, it does for Kansas. Wouldn't it do them some good? Haven't won a Big 12 road game since 2008. But in what light does that also, like, if you're going to sacrifice your job, your credibility as a referee, are you going to do it for Kansas in week 11 of a season that's already over? No, no, no you're not. Probably not. You're not. Yeah, yeah I can see where you're coming from. There's because uh, if that gets found out, it's all over. Like, you're you, done. Would, you wouldn't even probably get to do middle school games. No, anymore. you'd be done. You'd be uh, you'd have the scarlet letter. Yeah. Of, of bribery there at that point then i would feel like there would have to be some sort of investigation into all of the officials if someone is going to take a bribe on behalf of kansas in week 11 when they've already lost it would it would truly damage the integrity of every official everywhere because right. it'd be like wow these guys might actually be complete idiots yep that's just that was i thought that was funny because yeah. like if you take it if you take 0.1 seconds to think about that it's like it doesn't make any sense it just i don't know it was again human error um but totally beyond the point, uh, Iowa State got to do what they wanted on offense and defense, or excuse me, on offense. Um, they dropped some passes, so focus-wise wasn't there. Um, for them, I think it, you can learn from that tape because for the most part, they did play pretty well. You can learn from the couple mistakes or you know, where these penalties came from or why these penalties happened. Right. Um, it was another positive reinforcement of how good of a decision-maker Brock is. Um, and how good of a decision maker Brees Hall is. They're, they're both, I mean, really young players, but they're both extremely smart. And I think what probably my favorite Brees Hall move of the year was in this game when he had a Euro step, like a legitimate one, two Euro step uh, in the open field against the safety. And I don't know if the, if the dude like fell down, but just whiffed entirely. And when you watch it from the side, it kind of just looked like he like staggered his feet a little bit. But when you watch it from behind, the amount of wiggle that he put on that, like, I think in the box, I literally went, oh shit. Yeah. Like to, in response to his movement. So I apologize for that little, that the little profanity there. If someone has it on speakerphone, but like that was my immediate reaction was genuine shock of how good that open field move was. And Brock and, and, um, and Brees do that all the time. Yeah. The one time that that wasn't true um, for Brees was there was a third and one on the first drive of the game and he had the first down had he put his shoulder down to take it but kind of wanted saw that there was open field on the side thought he could get there didn't lost yards that was the one time that his decision making I guess if I can recall the one time his decision making wasn't great but between the two of them again it's just smart good solid football that even if they're not at full capacity because they make good decisions they're going to be fine right yeah I mean I think the play of the day that was like like an ultimate, like, whoa, yeah. play, was the one where they had LaMichael Petway go out to one flat. They had guys running down the field. Brock kind of steps up in the pocket and felt everybody coming around him. And then as after he had been looking to his left, immediately, like, in a split second, go like, turns to his right, flips it to Brees, and they scored a touchdown on it. And it was like one of those, whoa, yeah. Okay. It was like a whoa moment where you like you didn't know whether or not he really even knew he was there. It was like a feel thing. He was mm -hmm. just like, oh yeah, I think he's over there. I feel like he's over there. 
flip it out there. Brees goes and makes the play to get in the end zone. Yeah, and that's kind of, again, we've, we've harped on it time and time again. Like, that is Brock's strength, is decision-making and accuracy. It's those two things of being really smart and putting it where it needs to be for in order for the play to be successful. Like, the... I also love that they went forward on fourth down again, just to, to, you know, you have, you have the opportunity to end the game, not prolong the game. And you're, you know, you're, you're also empowering your defense by that choice because you're only up by the, at, at that point by three, because the missed extra point, uh, a field goal ties it, sends into overtime. Um, but you, by going forward on fourth down from, it was the six inside, so, uh, inside the, four, the 10, yeah. four. So inside the 10, um, you, by going for it there, with you know a minute forty something left with no timeouts for Kansas, you're essentially saying, even if we don't get this, I have enough confidence in my defense, despite how poorly they've played, to come up with a stop. And so, if you're a defensive player, you kind of feel that confidence because they're going to say, "Hey, you're going to go win us the game if they don't right now." So it was a reinforcement. I love the call, and again, it was a, another again a, just a, a, again full, further bolstering the point that Brock Purdy is the guy that would make the good decision. There's no chance that you were going to do anything other than let 15 make the right call in any yeah. critical moment this is, that's happened specifically towards the end of the season but even just i mean for the most part the entire season whenever you've needed one thing to happen it's not been a handoff it's not been you know what or, or an end around or something like this or even like a predetermined um like that like a boot where you have one or two options it's going to be a whole field survey of what's going to happen and you're just going to trust that you're like in that context again it's fourth down you have a lead Option number one, best option, throw the ball in the end zone, score a touchdown. That's obviously clearly, or run the ball in the end zone, score a touchdown. Next best option is actually just don't turn it over. Like you can take a sack. That's fine because they're already in a really long field. If you take a sack, you possess the ball, uh, it's turnover regardless. But if you were to throw an interception or fumble, then that kind of opens the explosive play list. And that also goes for the third down call. Like the third down and fourth down were both Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy. It's your decision, your decision. Uh, they, I think it was a designed run on third down. Yeah, they probably like a quarterback power. They probably planned on having going, having gone for it on fourth down. But uh, on that third down play, obviously best case, score a touchdown. Awesome. Second best case is don't throw an incompletion. Is if you're going to throw it, throw it to someone because then that whittles another 40 seconds of play clock off the clock. Right. So they just trusted Brock. Then granted it was a run play, but they just trusted Brock to do what needed to be done on third down score or get tackled on fourth down score or don't turn the ball over. Awesome. Cool. I can do that. And he does, he rewarded them by, I, I had no idea that Sean Shaw was going to be found in the back of the end zone. I thought he was going to have to do, you know, a Will McIlvain double back and go all the way across the field. Song coming through. Boom, touchdown, game over. Yeah. Yeah, and that was not even really like his first option. I think that was yeah. a... That was a scramble drill. Yeah, that was a scramble drill, and Sean Shaw just made a good play uh, just to kind of close the game right there. But Which, how good is that kid going to be? Yeah, he's really good. You know who else is really good? Charlie Kohler's really good. Yes, he is. Six catches for 100 yards. As a tight end. Should have had a touchdown as well, but had a play called back because of a penalty. He is... Uh, he is very good. I, I imagine that he will get to go to uh, Orlando and be at the Mackey, like at the awards oh, yeah? ceremony. I would, I would be very surprised if he's not a finalist for yeah. that, I think. And as a, as a sophomore, yeah, which is really cool. Um, the, the other like, interesting piece of Saturday 
was how many records did Brock break that we were kind of like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we knew he was going to break them all. Yeah. Had already talked about how he's going to break them all. Uh, passing yards, um, completions, total offense, and... Consecutive games with a touchdown. Yeah, he already had that record, I think. Or he tied it or something. Yeah, 11 consecutive games with a touchdown. Uh, rushing pass. touchdowns by a quarterback. Because I thought No, he, f- he moved to fifth. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, he needed like four more rushing touchdowns. Oh, okay. Yeah, but still. He's, he's close in that one, too. He's got like a top five number. And yeah, it was, I mean, I would say put up 41 points. Ho-hum. Yeah. Put up 41 points and we're like, man, they played bad today. Uh, the, uh, yeah. I, I think the offense didn't. Yeah. Uh, the offense did what they needed to do again with 15 being 15. Uh, that, uh, I, I don't, the defense was not good though. Another Which, shout out to Michael Petway too. Yeah. He even had, I mean, everybody had a couple drops, um, in the game, but uh, Some of those plays he made in the fourth quarter were pretty he had a, big time, though. You said th- there was a play that the play that got them down to the five in the first place, yeah. five or six in the first place, was uh, LaMichael Petway. And I think your words were he's doing his best 18 impression yeah. right there um, by just it was catch, run, stiff arm, come back in the play, put your shoulder down, get yourself to the five yard line. He was sunning people or he was uh, he was blessing them. Yes. He was, bless them. Bless you. Bless you. You know, you need to sit down, sir. Yeah. Please sit down. Just put the holy water on him and watch him fall down. Yeah. The offense wasn't the story. No. Defense was the story. Which, the de- I, before we get into the defensive part, I can say with near hundred percent certainty, this will not be the case. The, the malaise will not be the case against Kansas state. I hope not. There's no, the, the fire of, you guys almost lost it by not working hard is a terrific motivator going into the succeeding weeks. Yeah. So this, you guys didn't, whether, I don't know, I don't know what practice was like. Maybe practice was good, but like the attitude on game day wasn't. And so you, you know, it's very easy to motivate coming out of there by saying, if you guys don't come out with full focus or full attitude or full whatever, this team will beat you. You guys did it. You know, the last time it didn't work, we need to do better. It's very easy to come out. So Kansas state, like I would, I would very much not expect the same uh, malaise and lapses like drop passes and misfits then in this next week. And that's what coach Campbell talked about after the game. Uh, Cause he flat out came out and said, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. We didn't play very well. And you know, I asked him why he thought it was, if it was emotion at senior day, all that kind of stuff and talked about needing to be your best every week, needing to have your best for four quarters every week. Uh, and I asked him if that was kind of the next step for them in growing, because we've seen them a lot where they'll, play really well for two quarters they'll play okay for a quarter and then they won't play very well for another quarter Mm -hmm. you know and uh you know he talked about how the only chance for Iowa State to be better than what it really has ever like to really go obviously it's better than what it's been in a really long time right now if ever but for them to go even to the the next next, the next level it's where they get to you know we don't have those oh you know, whatever, like we'll get them, you know, it don't matter. Right. And you come out every game and it's like, no, we're going to be at our best from the first snap to the last snap. It's the, yeah. And we're going to kick the crap out of everybody. And, uh, and he said like, that's our only chance. It's the thing that Ohio state does. I mean, granted Ohio state has more talent than everybody, but yeah, Ohio state doesn't have bad halves. No, they, they may have a bad series or bad series or two, or even up to a bad quarter, but you very rarely catch Ohio state. Not good 
for an entire game or an entire half. It's what, it's what hurts Oklahoma sometimes. Right. It's absolutely what hurts Oklahoma. It's what hurts teams, even like Clemson during the season, where yeah. Clemson will have these lapses uh, for, you know, they almost lose to North Carolina, that kind of thing where they are better than someone, but they take their foot off the gas and they get there. Now they can turn it on when they are playing at their best, they are at their best, but they also could lose yeah. at some point to kind of drown them out of the capacity to do what they need to do. See, but then like the difference for them is that when you've got the elite level athletes that they do now, now, like, now that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like the guys that like Clemson mm-hmm. and like Oklahoma have where you've got all these five-star recruits and all this different kind of stuff. Like, you know, the chances of everybody being off at one time is very slim. Yeah. You know? So it's like, okay, this guy's playing like dog crap, get him out, put the next guy in, Yeah, you know? And more often than not, like they'll win anyway because they're way more talented, but then they'll sit in the locker room and be like, but we didn't, we didn't play very well today, but they still win, mm-hmm. you know? Iowa State can do that against Kansas, but they can't do that against Baylor or Oklahoma or Kansas State or Kansas State, you know, and that's what he's just saying is like, if we want to win every game we play, we can't play like that. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to come out and play the best that we can in every moment because the details, the, you know, the margins, like he calls them, those are the things that even the playing field for them. Yeah. And because even though they are exponentially more talented than they have been, they're not as talented as a lot of those other teams. And the, and I think the best personification of that is Kansas state where they have rarely ever been as talented as everybody else. Mm-hmm. But you know that when you play Kansas state, they're not going to hurt themselves. You have to beat Kansas state because they won't beat Kansas state. Exactly. And that's what it is that like, and that's what I wrote after the game was it's like, now you get the test. If that's who you want to be, go and beat the standard of always meeting the standard. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be their test this week, you know? Yeah. And, and I think they are, they're built to do it. Yeah. Uh, again, their, their, their personnel is built to beat a team like Kansas state, but they also cannot leave the door open in certain, you know, sometimes literally with bad, with misfits on defense or sometimes, or, or dropped interceptions on defense or, uh, as dropped passes on offense, you know, those, like you're talking about, like dot your I's and cross your T's and make sure that everything is, you know, you, you don't need a right or the most eloquent sentence of all time, you just need to spell all the words right. You need yeah. to make sure every, all the punctuation is in the right spot. And that's going to get you 90% of the way there. And then, you know, it's the whole talent, talent or hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Yeah. Well, that is Kansas State. And then you get a team like uh, this year, LSU. LSU is when talent, you know, t- hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. But what happens when talent works hard? It's really hard to touch. Yeah. So that's... Yeah, that's the the feeling that they're in right now is they've got more talent than Kansas State. You just got to out-execute them. Yeah. You have to be able to do it to beat them. Yeah, for sure. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll talk more about Iowa State's defense against the Kansas Jayhawks when we come back on Football and Random Things. Welcome back to Football and Random Things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Carter Stanley had a good day on Saturday. Yeah, Iowa State's defense didn't. Puka Williams is still running, I think. So, I want to somehow still be nice because I I think it's not, I mean, none of this is intentional. Like, it's not someone saying, you know, hey, we're, we're too good for this. We don't need to focus. It was just that there was, it was slightly distracted. It was slightly assumed that Kansas isn't going to be good enough. So even if you're like, like I said, you know, with the drop passes, if you're 98% of the way there, that's going to be good enough. 
And Puka's a really good player. Correct. Carter Stanley's not bad. No. I wouldn't say he's a top-tier quarterback in the in the Big 12, but he's definitely not the worst quarterback in the Big 12. Uh, and the scheme for Kansas was actually pretty smart once they found where they could kind of needle in. Yeah. Um, but most, I mean, almost all of it. And again, you can speak more to that with whatever Campbell said in the postgame presser. They, they've just, they fit very poorly in the run. And so this is, this was the thesis of what my, um, the, the register article was about, because I think the, the question lies, why does it, it obviously, obviously focus matters, but why does a small lack of focus make such a giant difference in your capacity to execute? Right. But then the bigger question is, why can't you just pick it up? Just go like do better. Yeah. Okay. So there's a couple layers to that question. The first layer to the question is, uh, why does it happen in the first place? Well, if your focus is at 98%, uh, it is very hard. It's the same concept we talked about with, um, Oklahoma when Oklahoma doesn't fit the run well on the outside. It's because it's really hard to do right. And on time, to stop the run yeah. because you have to run into humans that are running at you right like pass rushing pass defending the offense is retreating so you are the aggressor in the running game the offense is attacking the defense so you have to physically um make a a, a concerted effort to stop them and it's physically uncomfortable to do um and so when you're 98 percent of the way there the little hard details of trying to cross someone's face or trying to you know get your foot in the ground faster or uh you know staying up the field instead of trying to make the tackle instead of, you know, you're avoiding contact, whatever it is like the last little 2%. That's what makes the difference between filling every gap and not filling every gap. Now, this also doesn't mean that all 11 dudes in the field had the same feeling. So let's say, and Jay was the guy that Jay Jordan was the guy that kind of provided this analysis of it because I thought one thing and he was like, well, that's not necessarily it, but he was watching it and he, you know, he goes back and rewatches it and takes notes about what happened. So the, the example on this is, is, Example number one, which leads to two, which leads to three. Example number one is Puka Williams had about 45 yards in the first half, mostly straight downhill. He didn't get a lot of edge uh, success in the first quarter. So he was running more or less A and B gap, which is, you know, right next to the center and the guard, just right downhill. And because of that, uh, or, or in order to get that, there had to be some, whether it's a linebackers or defensive linemen that were not fitting totally right because it was hard to do. And in this case, it was Tucker Robertson. Didn't fit perfectly. And because of that, Mike Rose and Greg Eisworth were having to play farther towards the middle of the field in the first quarter to make tackles to stop the play because it was misfit by someone else. So in their first quarter, they were playing towards the inside because they had to in order to get the ball on the feet or on the ground. Come in the second quarter, beginning part of the second quarter, Puka, it was a third, third and one. Puka goes straight up the middle. Rose and Eisworth from habitually having to cover uh, for at least a three or four or five different times where there was a, a run fit that wasn't proper in the middle, Mike Rose and Eisworth were shading over to try and cover this, you know, B gap play, this B gap play. And they didn't play up the field as much as they needed to, because if they trusted their teammates to do it the right way, they could just play up the field, even with the line of scrimmage where Mike should have been is up on the line of scrimmage if there's a bounce then he would be able to take that bounce or Eisworth was an alley player, meaning he was supposed to play between the receiver and the tackle. That's those two guys should have been on the side, but because they had had to make plays towards the middle, neither one of them fit it expressly. Right. So 
that 45 yard run by Puka meant that the safeties or safety Rose and Eisworth, who should have been outside, weren't outside. They had to play inside because they thought there was going to be a misfit anyway. Well, in their trying to cover for somebody else, they opened up their own mistakes, their own gaps that should have been there. So Robertson, Rose and Eisworth all had something to do with that big 45 yard run that he bounced towards the Iowa State sideline. That should have been stopped by any one of those three. Well, because of then the success of outside running and Puka being really, you know, a really aggressive player that most of the time is going to have the ball. The other safeties like Braxton Lewis, I don't know if he was in on that play specifically, but the other safeties were probably coached to be able to play downhill a little bit faster just because they need to go trigger to tackle because there is a lot of open space later in the game. This again, one, two to three, one misfitting in the first quarter made the linebackers and safeties come together in the middle of the field where they shouldn't have been. Second play, they come to the middle because they shouldn't and they shouldn't have been there, which led to a bounce, which meant that the safeties then had like the other safeties like Braxton Lewis had to play out towards that, assuming that it was going to be a run play. They had to contain that alley or that force where they they shouldn't have been because that should have been Eisworth, not Lewis. Well, now they're playing outside of it. So that Puka Williams touchdown, it's a wheel route out of the backfield. If you just see Puka Williams running, you don't know if he has the ball or not. You're going to play downhill. Well, by the time number one gets to you, he's running very fast. So Lewis had to go full, was going at like three quarter speed in one direction because he was trying to fill up because that's where he had been doing based on what the previous part of the game had been doing. And then they run right by it. Stanley puts a perfect one on him and it's a touchdown. So again, one leads to two leads to three. Why can't you just pick it up is you then have to be like, you just need to trust everyone. Like that's the same response because if people have been really performing really poorly, your game feel means you have to make up for some other mistakes, even if everyone's ready. So you just have to trust that everyone else is going to do it. So it doesn't just like magically turn back on. You kind of have to prove to your teammates if, you know, the whomever is the, the offending party has to prove that they're not offending anymore, which means that they can go back to just doing their jobs, not doing their jobs and also kind of yours. So even when there's the situation of, you know, like Iowa State trail starts trailing in the fourth quarter, that's not good. At that point, everyone knows like this isn't a game anymore. This, you can't just roll your helmet out there, but they have three quarters of history of, all right, well, I can't, I don't know where I'm supposed to be because if I play more, my job is he's, uh, you know, it's not, it's not, he's not executing. So what do I do? Do I go over here? Do I go over there? So it's unsure of how to actually respond. That's why it's really hard to pull out of that because you've just put two quarters of habits into your system of I'm not supposed to be here, but I'm here anyway, because I have to be here. So that's, that's why it's really hard to be like, just snap together. True. You should. It's just a lot harder in practice than it is um, in theory to get that done. Oh, excuse me. Uh, yeah, it was a tough, especially third quarter for number 33. Yeah. And, and some, again, some of that's his fault. Like, you're not going to like excuse him from saying that he shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Especially the second one. That, that first touchdown is just a, that's a hell of a route to try and defend. That wheel route out of the backfield, uh, we called it Oregon. Um, <laughs> where usually James White or uh, Alexander Robinson were the ones that were going to be doing the, like r- actually running that route. Cause if you get a they guy, weren't, they weren't going to put you on there. Th- they weren't going to put me on there. Nope. I did not have enough speed fast, but not faster than the safety. Um, they, if you get a guy running at full speed, it is really hard to go from forward charging to keeping up with a back pedal like that. 
So that's a really hard play to defend. The second one though, that, that post over the middle, that was a really, that again, that was a mistake that he had made. So that third quarter, yeah, 33 had a really rough, really rough quarter, but it's not all exclusively his fault, but he did contribute to having it be bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but at the end of the day, they did come up big when you needed him to got a fourth down stop turnover on downs. Can they catch the ball, please? Yeah. I got to catch the ball. Having a real hard time still catching the football. Like I don't, I, you know, the old, that's why they play defense instead of offense. No, it's, it's time to stop. They're that. division one athletes. And you it also, should be able to catch the ball. It's also fine when it's like, okay, you know, you drop one, you drop two. But no, when it becomes like over an entire season of four or five dropped ones. Hey, easy ones. In a game. Easy ones. Each not, game. Not like the, you know, like there was one where, you know, I think there was two. Like one hit rose in the chest. Uh, another, I don't remember who the, who was the other one that had the easy interception that should have been, um, was it, uh, Lawrence white? I'm not sure, but there were, there was two there. It was one later in the game, but there's two, one was where Rose under really did, did a nice job of undercutting a hitch and went to, you know, is basically a volleyball dig just would have caught the ball there. Um, but you know, it's, it's not like they're all plays. Like there is one had one. I remember that. Yeah. So that one, um, but it wasn't like Braxton Lewis. I think was, I think there was one that was Braxton Lewis where he had to like jump up, moving at full speed backwards. Like that's a really difficult catch to make. Yeah. If you drop that one, I that's mean, fine. at least you broke it up. That's where you can use the, you know what? They play defense, not offense. Wide yeah. receivers practice that catch all the time. Yeah. Defensive backs don't practice that catch all the time. What defensive backs and linebackers do practice all the time is breaking on a ball it hitting you in the chest, actually making the reception. That's just it. It that to me is just a weird little frustrating quirk of this defense because how much better could they be had they caught these easy interceptions? Yeah. Again, not the diving ones, not the one handed, like insane picks, the ones that are right in the numbers. Yeah. Those are the ones that I'm confused about. Yeah, one thing that is good, though, like that Coach Campbell talked about, talking about Anthony Johnson, who made the play on the fourth down. Uh, he was saying how early in the season, like Anthony Johnson was doing good things. He was almost always in the right spot. But you didn't see him, like, breaking on the ball mm-hmm. or, like, really, truly like getting in positions to stop something from being complete or anything like that. He'd be in the right spot, you know, but it's like, he would still be like a step slow. He's not going to go compete to take the ball away. Yeah. He's going to go and make it harder for that guy to catch the ball. Right. He's yeah. going to take the easier route, which is again, a safer route of not breaking on the ball, but breaking on the guy. Yeah. And, but then coach Campbell said like, now you're starting to see where he's breaking on the ball. He's getting in there to like knock the ball away from some people, like not where he's hitting the guy and the ball is falling out. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, he is taking the ball away. Yeah. And that and 10, makes and think, 10, 10 is going to get there too. Yeah. Well, and that's what he said. Like he, he also mentioned just like the reality of it is, man, we've, we got pretty spoiled there for a while with that position. Yeah. The guys that they had there, you know, especially with PV. I was going to say like number 10 was pretty damn good, you know? And, uh, even, De- uh, Deandre Payne. Yeah. Deandre Payne was pretty damn good too. And th- those two guys were part of a pretty long string of some pretty damn good veteran defensive backs. And now we're out there with true sophomores, you know, mm-hmm. Tavon Kyle's a redshirt freshman who moved from receiver and has been playing defensive back for like a year. So you can see now where they're like making that progression. 
now the hope is like, can he jump one and get an interception, you mm-hmm. know, and not just like knock the ball down. But it just, it is baffling to me, their inability to catch the football. And, and I'd said to, I'd said to you during the game, I think it was after the Rose one. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, if I'm John Haycock in practice on Monday, I set up the jugs machine and I turn it all the way up. I don't know how those settings work. I turn it up to a hundred and say, all right, guys, step in front. You can't leave till you catch 10. Right. Until you catch the ball 10 times or until your nose gets broken, then you are not going to move from this spot. No helmets, no gloves. Yeah. Stand there. Catch the ball. Catch the ball. And I think part of it comes, and to a little bit of credit to a defensive player, one of the reasons, most of them do have actually pretty good hands. Like, just, they're good athletes. But you're not expecting that the ball is going to be right to your chest. So, you know, it's someone walks in the room, you know, you're at a tailgate and someone walks out of the truck and tosses you a beer. You're like, oh, oh, I didn't ask for one. And then like, you can bobble it and catch it, but you're just not expecting and prepared to actually catch said beer. I am always prepared to catch the beer. Always. Just like the matrix. (laughs) Yeah. It's actually like you catch it and then just with one hand, just. Yeah. Pop the tab on it without even taking your other hand up. It actually would be where someone could throw the beer and it would be way up here. And I would just put my hand out and somehow magically it would magnet. It is down. like drawn into my hand. But yeah, it's just it. You're not expecting that the, the ball is going to be thrown to you. So you're not preparing to catch it. You're preparing yeah. to defend the pass. So it to their credit that is there. But again, some of these yearly easy ones uh, to be that next level team like we were talking about, which I think now is the goal. I, I think it's a very reasonable goal. Um, at the start of the season, you know, that wanting to win nine to 10 to 11 games like that was like a, man, that's a cool thing to shoot for, but it seems like it's a little bit of a stretch. Like the over under for Iowa state wins was eight and a half, which still, still within play, still within play. Um, but like the over under is eight and a half and like, okay, you know, that eight wins is more realistic. Nine wins is realistic. The 10, 11 win mark is still seems a little bit of a pipe dream. I think emotionally, you can really stand on the fact that Iowa State's next reasonable goal is to be in that 9, 10, 11 win regular season to be that next level team, you know, to not have uh, to not have the the couple losses here, a couple losses there. I don't think we can be disappointed with how long that takes uh, unless it starts drawing out to be five or seven years before Iowa State starts getting to that. But um in order to get to that, you can't leave stuff like that on the table. I mean, that's why the best defenses are the best defenses. That's why, you know, the, you can't throw the ball against top corners. You can't throw the ball against top linebackers because that's what they do. Luke Keekley is Luke Keekley because he's smarter than you. He's in the right spot. And then once he's in the right spot, he's making the play. And I think that counting on making the play is what is one of the things that is involved with Iowa State getting to the next level of being that dominant team that when people look at it on the schedule, like you look up and down the Big 12, I think there are probably, I would say Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, I'd say Baylor and Kansas State are the ones that you can, can Baylor now, they have to have a prove it year, but can consistently year in and year out. And I'm not going to put Texas in this get year in and year out, they're going to give you a hell of a game and they're expecting to win. Yeah. If Iowa State wants to be in that category or even up above that Kansas State, up above that Baylor, up above that Oklahoma State, up there with Oklahoma, they're going to have to do these closeout games, closeout things to to actually win games. So, you know, I'll give you some numbers that should explain why, you know, obviously you want, we wanted to win 
11 games, whatever. Mm-hmm. Wanted to go to the Big 12 title game. I'll give you some numbers for reasons that shouldn't be discouraged by not doing that. Jeff, do you know what year the Big 12 was started? Uh, the Big 12 or the Big 8? Like the actual the, Big 12 no, just, itself? just the Big 12. The Big, the Big 12 era. 1997. 1996. Yeah. So 23 years. Okay. Iowa State will finish above 500 in conference play for the third consecutive season and the fourth time overall in those 23 years. So less than 25% of the time, less than 20% of the time in the history of the Big 12, Iowa State has finished above 500. This is the first time Iowa State will finish above 500 in league play for the third consecutive season since 1976 to 1978. Iowa State will finish with a winning season for the third consecutive season. The only other time since that, that, has, that has happened since 1928 in 81 years, right? 91 years. 91 years. 91 years is 1976 to 1978. So it's happened twice in 91 years. Uh, this is the first time Iowa State has had three consecutive seasons with seven or more wins since 2000 and 2002. 2002. Um, this was Iowa State's fifth game in conference play with 30-plus points, tying a school record. Yeah, I think that's probably the best ones to say there. Which is So this is basically unprecedented mm-hmm. in the history of Iowa State football, what they are doing right now. And they're learning along the way. And they are learning along the way. And they return a lot of the key pieces for that third team next year. Fourth. They said that for the third consecutive season. This That's what I'm fourth. saying. This yeah. is the third team. Right. So then the, the most of the key, key pieces from the third team will be oh, back okay. for, the for the fourth team. For the yeah. third team. But either way, yeah. So they, it, and I think Chris mentioned this a while ago when we, this was back when the swell of disappointment was there, um, which I think is starting to subside. Yeah. Hopefully again, I think it stays subsiding depending on what happens on Saturday. Um, but during the swell of disappointment, I think one thing Chris had said, and it might've been Brent, uh, said that this, the, the season in and of itself is judged upon the one that follows it of if, you know, if Iowa state goes out and I mean, knock on wood here, loses seven games next year, you're gonna be like, damn, there are so many opportunities they missed this year. But if, as, as we all expect, if next year is as good or better, then it doesn't seem like, you know, it's missed opportunities. It seems like lessons that you're learning from. Yeah. And I would say this is again, like we, I, I point back to that Oklahoma state game, Oklahoma state game, things weren't going well. They panicked. They went to Brock Purdy. That didn't end up working out. They didn't end up making the comeback. They still lost by seven, but it was not as close. The seven felt bigger than it was. Mm-hmm. And then the, immediately the next game, they're in the almost the exact same position against a team that's better and they don't do that. You take a lesson and you apply the lesson right now. This Kansas malaise that you can see based on their track record of taking lessons and applying lessons, I would be, you'd be hard pressed in my mind to find another time where Iowa State sleepwalks for the next two years because this is just one of the things that they're, they can point to and say, do you remember Kansas? Do you remember almost losing at home on senior day because we didn't focus? Let's focus. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And then it automatically clicks kids in to be like, that's where I remember feeling that. I don't want to feel that again. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, you think back to even last year, like they were the really close to going to the Big 12 championship game. People don't really think about that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like we think about, went to the Alamo Bowl. It was a very successful season, even though you lost the Alamo Bowl. Like you don't think about how 
like about it as being disappointing mm-hmm. in any sense, you know, because obviously they came back the next year and they've been really good again. Yeah. And I think everybody would probably agree that this year's team would most likely beat last year's team. Right. I think they would at least. I think they would too. And we all would say that last year's team and this year's team would have beat the 2017 team, which I think will probably end up being the most revered until whatever they go and do in the future, just because of the fact that they were the ones that really turned things. Mm-hmm. But these last two teams have been exponentially, I think, better even than that one was. So it's like, it's, it's weird how once you have those, the success, like you continue, like you start to look back and be like, man, those are, those are really great team. Mm-hmm. You know, like that was a really fun team. Yeah. And you can have like, you have a feel a lot better about them than maybe you did even in the moment where you're like, it, there were some times where you're like, man, this is tough. Yeah. Like in my mind, it comes back like my junior, my red shirt junior in 2012, uh, we go down to Memphis and it was a, it was a good season. Like it, it wasn't, nothing was, you know, great or awful about it. We had gone to back-to-back bowl games. We went in 2011, uh, obviously it was the, you know, the, the pinstripe bowl year. And that was fun. It felt like it was going to upper trajectory and then kind of plateaued at 2012. And so it makes 2000, 2011 seem like, Oh my God, that was an amazing year. And the 2012 kind of flattens out. We lose in the Liberty bowl and the next year in 2013, just fall off a cliff. Yeah. So it makes it seem like 2012 then was a missed opportunity year because you know, we, we didn't hit it. Well, again, you look at again, last year, it doesn't feel like a missed opportunity year. It feels like a teaching year yeah. of we're learning how to do better. You know, guys are just getting their feet wet. Well, now if you look at the quote guys that are getting their feet wet, it's uh, Downing, it's Purdy, it's Hall, it's Shaw, it's mm-hmm. the corners. It's, you know, it's your, the, the additional safeties that they're rotating in. Like it's these guys that are just learning how to learn, learning how to play. And these duds like they have against Kansas, I think are going to become much sparser as they go, because as they start to kind of climb towards that excellence that they, they know they're going to get to, uh, the, the, the remembrance of what is happening is not going to be a thing that just, that, that just, just passes yeah. and they forget about, it. it's going to be something that sticks in their memory to say, we need to not do this again. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it, you know, as time passes too, it's just like you, if everything ends positively, you kind of just like forget about the bad things, yeah. you know, like the Kansas state that year, the last time going down to Manhattan, like the game against Oklahoma state that year, like those are not the things that are brought up about that. You know, it's like they suck in the moment. Yeah. But then after a little bit, you're like, yeah, you whatever. Get it. Like it was, you know, it was what it was mm-hmm. because then the next year they come back, they beat Oklahoma, they beat Kansas state. We'd probably be a lot more worried about that still if they hadn't come back and beat Kansas state the next year mm-hmm. ended that streak, you mm-hmm. know, or if you come back the next year and you don't have the situation like we had with Brock Purdy where Brock Purdy blows up and it's like, you know, you kind of forget about everything like that, that went bad, like in that, the end of that one year, like what happened in that one Oklahoma state game, it's like, yeah, like it don't matter. Yeah. You know, it's water, it's, under the, it's water in the bridge at that point. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like sitting there and dwelling on the negatives. It's yeah. like, we're just like, no, nah, everything's good now. So again, I, I feel like that's what this is leading to yeah. is these, these dud games or these dud quarters or halves or whatever are just lessons to be learned for later. Um, and I, I, even for I mean, fans, like even for fans. Yeah. And I, I would say, I think and say, I would say. You would say it? I would say it. Um, but I would think that this might be one of Iowa State's best defensive performances coming out this week uh-huh. based on how bad this one was. Is they're going to, again, it's a snap refocus. It's kind of, you know, slapping someone in the face, being like, look at me, pay attention. Yeah. That getting everyone back on the same page. I would say this, Iowa State's going to come out 
predict, you know, bold prediction and have one of their, one of, if not the best defensive performance of performance of their season on Saturday against Kansas state. You got something else to say, bro. Got something else to say. What's up? You want to square up, square up, (laughs) square up, bro. You want to square up, bro. Let's go and say that, man. Let's go and say that. Uh, All right. Just an update on what's going on at Cyclone Fanatic this week. Podcast schedule will be a little bit different. Uh, Chris is in the Bahamas. I don't know if you guys knew that. Must be nice. He is in the Bahamas. But at least it's like 60 here. Well, actually, he's not in the Bahamas yet. I don't think. I think he's on an airplane. But uh, we will be, I think, well, I haven't talked to Jay about this yet. Uh, Hopefully, I'll be recording the Thursday thesis with Jay. Okay. Sometime tomorrow, I'll release that podcast on Wednesday. So it would actually be a Wednesday thesis, but the podcast is called the Thursday thesis. So it will not be on Thursday. Well, you got be on Wednesday. People are going to be busy. People will be busy on, on Thursday, Thursday, but hopefully they'll be traveling on Wednesday so that they have time to listen to the Thursday thesis. Correct. Or if with, you don't listen to it on Wednesday, you could listen to it on Friday when you're, dri- when you're driving around going shopping. With me and hopefully Jay Jordan, who is probably listening to this podcast now thinking, wait, I'm going to be on the Thursday thesis this week. Hopefully. Locked in, Jay. You're locked, locked in. in now. Uh, he's locked in now. Uh, and then we'll also have coverage of the basketball games down in the Bahamas as well as Saturday's football game against Kansas State. A little bit of a slower week just because of the nature of our staff being spread out across the world. Uh, to those te- those games, uh, Iowa State opens with Michigan, correct? Michigan. Uh, is it is a ESPN game? Uh I assume so. Okay. I don't know. I haven't looked at the TV information. I'm not sure. And then I would assume it's Cyclone Radio Network uh, for both. Yeah, for all three. Yes. Uh, with Chris Williams and Eric Heft. Well, I was saying for both uh, football and basketball. That's what my both meant. Oh, yes. Yeah. Someone uh, suggested that um, I don't think they know what they're doing for the Colin show yet. Uh, I'm doing it. Oh, you are doing it? Okay. I was going to say, Brent said he didn't know. And uh, someone it. said that they should have us going and do it. And I was like, if then you, apparently you are doing I'm it. I'm actually doing it. I would very much welcome someone else doing it. I'm not sure if I do have a co-host yet. Uh, but uh, You're doing it by yourself? I, last, it's what I did last time. Or not last time, the time before. So I've done it twice. And again, I, I don't need to go down this road again. Because by I, yourself, you did it. I did it by myself once. Oh, it, dude, I would do it with you if, if like that yeah, was I'll, okay. Okay, I'll double check. Yeah, I'll double check. But um, yeah, the two times, and again, we don't need to go down this road too many times. But the two times that I've done the Colin show, no, 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 don't, don't say it, don't say it. We're we don't, not we don't want to think about those. But that was also during. We're the streak. past it. We're that past was, it. That was during the streak, which has now been broken. I was say the streak's over. We're done. The vampire is dead. Well, he's not dead. His, no. Bill Snyder's not. It will be a very sad day when the vampire Bill Snyder's not. But the vampire, the persona of the vampire is Bill Snyder, coach of Kansas State. I'll be sad. I I might write an ode to the vampire the day that he passes away. Hopefully it's not soon. No, I I hope that Coach Snyder continues to live a long and healthy and happy life. He probably has like 600 grandkids at this point. (laughs) He's got a lot of people that rely on him, you know? And he's got a whole stadium named after his family. A whole stadium. He's got his nice little statue. He's a seemingly nice man. I mean, yeah, he writes everybody letters and, you know. Do you think he still writes letters to people? Or just writes letters and sends them and they go nowhere. <laughs> he just writes them and, like, what, and, and puts them in a time capsule. He's writing Tom Osborne a letter. Yeah. Well, he actually was at Nebraska at one point with Tom Osborne. Like, at practice. I saw a picture of that. Oh. <laughs> it hasn't worked very well. Well, I guess it worked on Saturday, but... Hasn't worked out very well other well, than that. Nebraska's got a whole lot of culture to change. Yeah. First. Well, apparently Maryland's culture is worse. Did you see the score of that game? No. It was uh, 54 to 7. Oof. In uh, College Park. Oof. Yeah. That's not good. Tough day for Mike Loxley. That's not good. No, it's real not good. All right. 
I think that's everything. Football and reading things. I'm excited. Football and reading things. If you guys do have suggestions, tweet them at Jared. I probably won't get on and see him on my Twitter. So tweet him at Jared. Yeah. If you have reading suggestions. Reading suggestions. I love to I love to read. On football and reading things. Football and reading things. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Peace.